0: I am Colin. If you've missed that along the way, that would be uh, surprising. Anyways, welcome to Vacation Bible School. I'm kidding. Sorry. That, did, that, that like didn't land as well as I was hoping. Sorry. The posters. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Um, I'm a resident uh, with Salt Company here. I will be working with the St. Thomas team, with Hannah and Drake, and we are pumped to get on campus and tell St. Thomas students about Jesus. Um, I'm going to be working or teaching out of 1 John today, 1 John 1. So if you have a Bible, open it up. If you don't, we'd love to give you one. Otherwise, pull it up on your phone. Uh, as you turn there, I want to tell you a quick story. So a couple weeks ago, my aunt was staying with us, and it was one of those like weird right, family things. So I moved to my sister's room. My aunt was staying in my room. I got up in the middle of the night, I had to use the bathroom, you know, normal human things. And on my way to the bathroom, I like don't know my sister's room as well as I know my room. So I cut the bed short and I stubbed my toe super hard, right? And I like, it was at night, so I let out one of those silent screams, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, Anyways, go back, lay back down in bed. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if I would have turned on the light, I would have saved myself from a ton of pain. And so that is what the big idea for today is, is that God calls us to walk in the light. In order to understand that big idea, I first want to talk about how God is the light. Then we're going to transition into talking about what it looks like for us to walk in the light, first to pursue godliness, and then to confess our sins. So point one, God is light. Verse five of first John chapter one. This is the message we have heard from him, who's Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him, there's no darkness at all. So for a little background, John is one of Jesus's best friends. He's one of the 12 disciples, and he's sometimes referred to in scripture as the one whom Jesus loved. So if Jesus had a best friend on earth, it was probably John. Right, So in verses 1 through 4, I know I I skipped over those, but what John is saying is, you know Jesus, like he's writing to Christians, you've heard about Jesus, and then he's telling them that he actually knew Jesus. Like it's not just someone he'd heard about, it's someone he walked with, it's someone who he ate meals with, it's someone who he traveled with. And then goes on to say that one of Jesus' primary messages while he was here on earth was that God is light. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am God, and God is light. So basically, there's a human walking on earth that's saying, I am light. Which kind of blows my mind, right? Because I love my best friends, but as I get to know them, they get worse. <laughs> <laughs> and as you get to know Jesus, he gets better, right? Like this is Jesus' best friend, and he's saying, God is who I walked with is light. So now I've been throwing around the word light and you're probably like, can you please help define light? Because that is not how I describe anyone. I'm not like, wow, Jordan, you're light. Like, that's just like not super helpful. Sorry, Jordan, that wasn't to roast you. Um, um, So John is trying to communicate what he saw in Jesus, Shoot, I forgot to start my timer, that's a bummer. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's trying to communicate what he saw in Jesus, that God is goodness, that God is joy, that God is holiness, that God is perfect. So I want you to hear how I'm saying that. I'm not saying that God has goodness, or that God has perfection. God is goodness. And God is perfection. It's part of his nature. It's part of who he is. So in the same way, light by its very nature is the absence of darkness and darkness, the absence of light. So John thinks this is so important that he clarifies it, right? He says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So he's really trying to hammer in our brains that there's one side which is darkness and there's one side that is light and Jesus isn't in the middle. He's not even close to light. He is the light. Like, he is the farthest thing towards the light side. He's perfect. So you've probably heard of the perfection of God, but when's the last time you thought about it? Like, when's the last time you've sat and wondered what it would be like to be perfect. Like that would be so cool, right? Never to have a bad motive. Not only do bad things, but to have a bad motive. Never to look at someone in a way that's anything but loving. Like have you ever had an hour like that? Right, only an hour. And in that moment, you probably didn't even realize you were in that moment. Right. It was. It was only when it ended that you realized that you had an hour where you didn't have a bad thought. If you haven't had an hour like that, welcome to the club. Um, but like, can you imagine what that would be like? What it would be like to be perfect? That's what God is like all the time. Like, He's always been like that. He always will be like that. Light also illuminates. It brings things to the light. God is our basis for truth. Like whatever he says is completely true. Whatever he loves is completely worthy for us to love. How cool is that? Like, like I, I get a lot of like blank stares here, but like actually how cool is that? Like really think about that. How sweet is that? Like if you knew truth 100% of the time. So how I had to think about this is I couldn't use something in my own life because I've never known truth 100% of the time, but I thought about tests, right? Standardized tests specifically, I hate standardized tests. Right, like everyone compares their standardized test score so you know who you're smarter than and who you're not as smart as, right? Like it's the worst and I was probably one of those kids that compared, but it's fine. But my least, like my, the worst standardized test of all time is the ACT. Because everyone tells you that this one test, this one number is gonna define you for the rest of your life, right? Like you won't get into a good school, you won't get a good job, you won't be successful. Anyways, that's complete bogus, but I hate the ACT, that's the moral of the story. So I'm taking the ACT. I'm not sure if you remember taking the ACT, but it has two parts to it, right? You take, two, or you take it in two sections. So you take the first section, and then you take the second section, and you have a break in the middle. So I remember in that break, I walked out to the common space, I had a snack, I was going to the bathroom, and then my friends circled up, and were talking about the first two sections, like, oh, shoot, I didn't get uh, all the way through it, or... Man, I remember learning that four years ago, and I forgot it. Bummer, like, uh, none of us are perfect. And then we get to one of my friends in the circle, and he, just completely confident, says, there wasn't one question that I didn't know. <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, whoo! But but we're only halfway through. So I'm going back in, like, all right, I got this second half. I'm like, there's no way that... He, like, he's going to do this again. No way. So come back. You kind of probably get where I'm going with this. Come back. Ask him, oh, how did this second portion go? And he said, yeah, there wasn't one question that I was asked today that I didn't know the answer to. Like, he hadn't gotten his score back, and he was, said, yeah, I got a perfect score. So, like, how, how? How do you think he drove home? Like, do you think he had the windows up, listening to sad music? I guess I got a perfect ACT score. Like, no, he probably had the windows down, shouting out the window, going to the gas station. I got a perfect ACT score and I haven't even gotten my score back. Like, I know I got every question right. That's what God's like all the time. Like, it doesn't matter... The circumstance, he's always right. He always knows the truth because in his very nature, he is the truth. Like, how cool is that? That's been God's reality for all of time. We should have our minds blown by that. So, here's the application. Have your mind blown by that. Like, look to God's perfection. Look at the way Jesus lived and worship it. Because it's worthy of our worship. So that's crazy. But it gets crazier. Because what he's saying is, once you see God as the light, walk in the light. So verses 6 and 7, if you go back to 1 John, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In verses 6 and 7, John's giving us two different ways to live. He's saying, you can pursue darkness, you can indulge your sinful desires and not look to Jesus as the truth, but if you do that, you cannot have a relationship with me. Or he's saying, if we accept that Jesus is the light, then we're called to walk in that. So walking in the light has two primary implications. The first is to pursue godliness. So that's our second point today, that God calls us to pursue godliness. So this is actually really cool. Like this is the theme of today is that this is sweet. Like we don't always think that it's cool, but it is. Look at the perfection of Jesus. Look at the absence of sin and the fullness of joy and long for that to be your reality. Salt Company, what is the trajectory of your life? Are you pursuing the light? Are you pursuing the life that God has called you to? Or are you pursuing darkness and indulging your sin? We have to ask ourselves that question. We have to. And the next question we have to ask ourselves is, how do you perceive a life of godliness? Like a life that sets your eyes on the life that Jesus lives. If you're doing it, is it something that you're doing to make your parents happy? Is it something you're doing to gain the approval of others? Is it something you're doing to please someone in this room? Here's what I want to tell you. View a life of godliness as the best life you could possibly live. Why? Because it is. Because Jesus came into this world not to condemn you of your sin, but to give you life. And I know for me, like, I'm saying that, but it's hard. Like, for me, it's really hard to follow Jesus sometime. I don't always want to pursue godliness. And it can be super discouraging. But the more I remind myself that Jesus, who lived a perfect life, cares for me, that he actually loves me more than anyone in this world ever will, that's when I want to pursue him. Right? Like if you love someone and you know they love you and they ask you to do something, you do it. The same is true for you. Jesus loves you more than anyone in this world ever will or ever could. He didn't lay out rules to rob you of your joy. He laid out commands to give it to you. Chase after Jesus and his perfection because that's the best life that you could possibly live. So here's how I thought about this. When I was a student at the University of Minnesota, I was a basketball manager. So some of you are like, of course, he's telling a story about being a basketball manager. If you're not a sports fan, stick with me. So being a, part of a, bas- being a basketball manager for the basketball team, I was a part of the team, I traveled with the team. I was in the locker room every day. And one of my favorite parts about doing it was the relationships that I made, from coaches to other managers, and I even got to build friendships with some of the players. So one of my best friends that was on the team was Jordan Murphy. So if you're a basketball fan, you probably know who I'm talking about. If you're not, to color it in who Jordan Murphy is, or Murph as I call him, he's a three-time... I'm with him every day, it's not that ridiculous or I was. He's a three-time All-Big Ten winner. He holds the school record for most rebounds. He's second in school history in scoring. He's a terrible three-point shooter. Came in his freshman year and just couldn't shoot the three ball. So, I worked on it with him. So, hours in the gym turned into days in the gym. Passing, rebounding, chasing down missed shots. And I got to watch how Jordan walked into the gym every day. He didn't walk into the gym with his shoulders down saying, probably, I'll probably miss every shot that I take today. He walked into the gym with his shoulders up saying, maybe today is the day that I make every shot that I take. Like today, I have the opportunity to make 100% of the shots that I take. It's the same way we approach a life when we know Christ, that he calls us to perfection, and that is amazing. Like Jesus is saying, live like me. Oh, by the way, I was perfect. Oh, by the way, I was joy-filled oh, by the way, I was the happiest person that's ever walked this earth. Like, we, I want that, and I want you to want that. So ask yourself, what is the trajectory of your life? Are you pursuing sin, or are you pursuing the joy of following after Jesus? Like, what do you think will bring you life. Do you really believe that indulging your sin will bring joy? But I wanna tell you, chasing after Jesus is what will truly bring you joy. Pursuing a life of godliness is what will bring you joy because Jesus is joy what overflows out of his nature is joy. So following after him is what's worth it. So here's the call. Be perfect as Jesus is perfect. All right, Ellie, are you ready to go? Because I think everyone in this room has that down. Okay, no. <laughs> no, like that's an impossible task. Like we can't completely give up The sins of this world, I know I fall short every single day. Like I haven't figured out how to live a perfect life. No one has. So the second part of walking in the light is to bring your sins and your shortcomings and the junk in your life to the foot of the cross in confession. Point three, God calls us to pursue confession Verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I want to read verse 9 again. If we confess... Our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Saul Company, Jesus is faithful and Jesus is just and there is joy in confessing our sins. Because when we confess our sins, we're admitting the cancer and the sin that is within our hearts and we're saying we don't want to live like that anymore anymore. Like in the moment when I sinned, I chose it, but now I'm choosing Jesus. Because Jesus is better. So before I go on, I want to make a quick clarification. Confessing sin is not the way to forgiveness. Like Jesus doesn't forgive us because we're super good at confessing our sin. I sin too much for that to be good for me. Like, I would be doomed if that was the reality. Like, I, I'm so unaware of times when I sin sometimes that I can't confess enough for that to be our way to forgiveness. Forgiveness comes when you trust in Jesus. When you look to the life that he lived and understand that he deserved everything that God could have possibly given him. And instead, he took what you and I deserve. Like he took the punishment that we deserve because of the crap in our lives. And he gave us the righteousness that he deserved when he took the death that we deserved. Knowing that Truth is freedom. That is freedom. And out of that freedom is where we confess, where we fall short. Like if we trust in Jesus and that he has forgiven our sins, then we can come and display all the junk in our lives, all the sin in our hearts because we have the freedom of knowing that that's what we did, but it's no longer who we are. That in the greatest exchange of all time, we got tied up in the righteousness of Jesus. Not because we deserved it, not because we confessed enough to gain it, but because Jesus freely gave it to us when we believe in Him. So confessing sin helps us make that declaration. Right? It helps us declare it to the people around us that that's what I did, it's not who I am. Because I want to set my eyes on Jesus because the life that he tells us to live is worth it. That's what the Christian life is. I want us, all of us, myself included, to be people that confess often. Because we need to, right? Like, we fall short so often that we need to confess often. We need to lift the weight of sin off our shoulders. So I want to help us do that. I'm going to give, really quickly, three practical ways to authentically confessing our sins. I'm going to fly through them, so stick with me. Like, we need to be convinced that we're sinners, which seems pretty simple. But, like, we actually need to be convinced that there's something wrong with us, that we've done something wrong, that in our hearts, we have a disposition towards sin. The second thing we need to do to authentically confess sin is we need to make it personal. Like, I've been in too many C groups, small groups, areas where people confess sin, if you're not familiar, um, where, like, people coattail sins. Like, one guy gets the courage to be like, yeah, guys, like, I'm a sinner, I sin, and then everyone else, like, kind of quiet, looks at him and is like, yeah, me too. <laughs> right, like, we do that so often. We're like, it's like, ah, like, I don't really want to make it about me. Like, I'm just going to kind of jump on that bandwagon of that guy's sin and say, I struggle with that too. Like, we need to come to the foot of the cross individually and say, I fall short. This is where I fell short. The third characteristic to authentically confessing our sin is we need to make it specific. Like the the same thing with with point two or with uh, making it personal. Like I see it in connection groups all the time, right? Like, yeah, like I struggle with lust, but it's not that bad. Or I have pride in my heart, but it really doesn't affect me that much. Like, can we just own the sin in our lives and make it specific? Like, dudes, like you're sitting in secret. Dudes, I watched porn last night. Like, can we make it specific and not try to, like, be vague and have these cool sin confessions? Or I actually want to be better than my roommate, and it's the affecting the way that I love her. Like, that's what confessing sin should look like. So coming back to it, walking in the light has two practical implications. The first is that we pursue godliness. The second is that we confess our sin. Here's where I saw this in my life. I grew up in a Christian home where I knew a ton about Jesus, where I pursued a life of godliness. Like, actually, I wanted to be a good Christian, but I didn't confess my sin I tried to keep it together on the outside. I call it the Christian game, right? Like, we're like, you're not fooling anyone, but like you think you're fooling people, right? Like where you think people actually view you as pretty good, but they all know that like you're super messed up. But I played the game for a long time. Then I get to college and I start seeing what what a life of actually following Jesus looks like. I start to see the beauty and the perfection of Jesus, and I start to see the junk in my own life. I even had started to confess, authentically confess sin in my connection group of like, hey dudes, this is where I fell short. This is where I screwed up. But then anytime I stepped outside of C group, I like didn't want to fool people, or I didn't want people to actually know who I was. Like I wanted to still have this image on the outside of having it all together. And it really started to weigh heavy. Like it really felt like there was a weight on my shoulders that was dragging me down. Then I met with Jordan and Kaylee. And they say, hey, Colin, like we're super pumped for what Jesus is doing in your heart. We think it'd be sweet if you got baptized. Like if you got on stage and you said, guys, I'm not that impressive, but Jesus is. If you made that declaration from a stage and I was like, no way right? Like, that is not part of the Christian game that I've been playing. I have to hold this image together on the outside, and that was pride in my heart. So anyways, fast forward, I go to this baptism service, and I am super pumped. Some of my best friends are getting up on stage and declaring their new life in Jesus for the first time. Everyone around me is, like, having the time of their lives, and I am, like, seriously, it feels like there are a million pounds on my shoulders, Drew gets on stage and he says, Pastor Drew, he says, if anyone of you here wants to get baptized today, you're welcome. Just come up, talk to one of the pastors and we'll baptize you. And the weight doubled, right? And in tears, I walk up to Jordan and I say, Jordan, I want to get baptized. I want to stop trying to play this game. I am sick of the pride in my life because I know that Jesus is better. So I got on stage and I said that. I said, I should have been up here earlier, but I had pride in my heart. I had this junk that was inside me and that's what I did, but it's not who I am. Because my identity is tangled up with Christ. And in that moment, I should have felt extremely embarrassed. Like I'm on stage in jeans, shoes, everyone else is on stage barefoot in basketball shorts ready to get baptized and like seriously I'm on stage in jeans like I don't know what I'm going to do I just know I have to do this. But I wasn't embarrassed. Like I should have been embarrassed but I wasn't embarrassed. Why was I not embarrassed? Because I was living in the freedom of walking in the light. And I want everyone in this room to experience that same freedom. How do you experience that same freedom? You confess your sin. You expose the junk that's inside of you and you say, that's what I did, but it's no longer who I am. What sin do you need to bring to the light? Like immediately following, what sin do you just need to pour out and say, this is what I did, but it's not who I am? And maybe you've never confessed sin before. Like maybe that's a new concept to you that you don't understand. If you see the perfection of Jesus and you long for that to be your reality, confess your sin. Because it will be, you'll feel freedom that you've never felt before. So I want to look again at verse nine. It says confess. It's a continual form. Look at verse 7. It says cleanses. In other translations, it says purifies. It's continual. Here's what I'm saying, that Jesus invites us to come back again and again and again, confessing our sin. And here's his promise. Again and again and again, I will purify you. I will make you whole. I bore that sin on the cross in order to wash you clean. John has just a beautiful summary of everything I've talked about in the next two verses. 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, He's the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Here's the hope I have for you. If you've put your trust in Jesus, he's laid out a life of obedience that leads to joy. But when you inevitably screw up, when you inevitably turn back to your old way of living and sin, Confess it. Knowing that you have the freedom of entering into the presence of God, not because you're good at pursuing godliness, but because Jesus perfectly lived a life and gave you that life. That the righteousness isn't yours, it's Jesus's that he gave you, and now we can freely enter into the, the presence of God. So whether this is your first time hearing this or your 1,000th time hearing this, Jesus wants to give you joy and a life with him is way better than any other life that you could possibly live. Let's pray. Father God, I confess. Father, I confess ways that I fall short. I confess ways that I turn towards sin. But that's not who I am anymore. I thank you for sending your son to die in my place because I could never be obedient enough. But you lived perfectly and you've given me that inheritance. Father, thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.